Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning back into Strength and Struggle Podcast. It's Janelle Petrosino, and we're back for episode six. I am super excited to talk to you about one of my favorite topics today, which is all things gluten. So if you are somebody that has been curious about my gluten-free experience or my diagnosis or how it pertains to infertility or even just somebody that's interested in learning more about how to go gluten-free, you're in the right place. Today I'm going to talk to you about five things you need to know about going gluten-free and some of the differences between um, non-celiac gluten intolerance and celiac disease. But today I'm just going to start with just explaining a little bit of what gluten is and the different diagnosis that come from having an intolerance to gluten and then a little bit about my own personal story and then I'm just going to share five things that you need to know about going gluten-free. My like five biggest tips or tidbits of information that you need to know if you are thinking about it or if you're in the process of transferring to a gluten-free lifestyle. This is all the things that you need to know. So Overall, gluten is basically a protein found in wheat and other forms of it. So rye, barley, and is often found in starchy foods. So basically, gluten is used a lot of times in foods to hold things together. So you'd find it in bread and crackers and basically a lot of the more processed, I would say, starchy foods. Um, I'm going to go a little bit in more depth later as to what (laughs) gluten can be found in and your mind is going to be blown. Um, But there are two different diagnoses out there so far that pertain to the protein gluten. So there are some people that are diagnosed with gluten intolerance or maybe not even diagnosed, people that have gluten intolerance, whether you've been diagnosed or not. And then people that have celiac disease. And the crazy thing about gluten intolerance versus celiac disease is that they're very similar in many ways in the sense that your body just is having a hard time breaking down that protein gluten. And basically what happens is in both scenarios, you get a series of very similar symptoms. So a lot of gas and bloating, irritability, anxiety, um, stomach pains, bowel inconsistencies, bleeding. Like there are so there's so many different symptoms that can come about. But overall, what you need to know is if you have either or, it makes you feel like crap. It basically means that your body is having a really hard time with the digestive system in regard to consuming foods that have this protein. And a couple of just fun facts to throw in here, um, and you can do a little bit more research if you want to know more about gluten and what specifically it is and the scientific process behind it or the like specific differences between gluten intolerance and celiac disease. Um, but just a couple of things, fun facts for you are that celiac disease often runs in families where gluten intolerance does not necessarily. Um, when it comes to celiac disease, the main difference is that there's more of an autoimmune response. So your body actually attacks your small intestine in the case of having celiac disease, whereas that 
level of seriousness may not occur for somebody that has gluten intolerance. They may just have an upset stomach or get really nauseous or throw up, but it might not be as severe of a reaction, if that makes sense. And oftentimes people that have celiac disease are at a little higher risk of getting um, or experiencing malnutrition, which I'm going to talk about a little bit here in a minute. And um, the really cool fun fact is that the treatment for both gluten intolerance and celiac disease is actually exactly the same. So a lot of people don't realize that. They think like, oh, I don't have celiac disease, so I can have gluten sometimes. And I'm here to tell you what I think about that. But I want to preface this by saying two things. Number one, I have a wicked cold. So if I go into a cough attack, I am sorry in advance. And number two, I am in no way a doctor. So this is all based on my personal opinion and experience. But if you are experiencing anything that I talk about on here, um, please feel free to reach out to me for recommendations. But I'm not a medical professional, so I can't diagnose you or tell you whether or not you're specifically experiencing what I went through. I'm just making recommendations to gear you toward getting a healthcare provider in your life on board with figuring out if you have any of uh, of what I'm talking about and how to get you feeling better. Um, so just a little backstory. Um, I know I've talked a little bit in the past episodes about my past experience with infertility And so I want to start by saying my infertility was a direct result of having undiagnosed celiac disease. And this was something that really started, I would say, in 2012. And for a lot of people that don't really realize this, you can be born with the gene for something and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're ever going to have that condition or that you're born with that condition. But under the right environmental situation, you that gene can be turned on and you can develop that condition. So that, I mean, that's what really with like any disease, like we just carry genes within our DNA and under certain circumstances, they're turned on. And so when I was a lot younger, I really don't personally believe that I was full-blown celiac. Who knows? Maybe I had gluten intolerance and I didn't know. But my really severe symptoms started around 2012 after I gave birth to my first child, Ava. And um, I definitely remember after having her not feeling like I bounced back very fast. I was just really tired and anxious a lot and really, really bloated. Like my stomach never went back to normal after having her, like I lost the baby weight and everything, but by the end of every day, I was just extremely bloated, irritable, exhausted. And I just didn't look good. Like I just, my coloring was off. And for a while, I just assumed that it had something to do with being a new parent because it was my first time. I was 23 years old. I was going through all the different changes and phases that come along with being a new mother. And I had no clue what was going on. Um, But after a while, with all of that, in addition to my menstrual cycle never returning for over a year, well, it had been about a year and I had realized like, wow, it hasn't come back yet. I started to realize that what I was experiencing wasn't normal. And then one random day, I almost passed out at work 
and I was brought to the urgent care and they found that my thyroid levels were really wacky. And I ended up being diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. And so in 2012, in October, I was put on thyroid medicine. But even going on that thyroid medicine didn't make things better. I think the doctors assumed like, okay, your thyroid's off. Like it's causing all of this wacky stuff to go on. Sometimes that happens postpartum. It's called postpartum thyroiditis. Um, So they were hoping that once I went on the medication that things would even out and things would get better. Well, to make a very, very long and complicated story short, it didn't ever get better. And that's when I started seeking medical attention to really try to figure out what was going on. Not only because I felt like crap and my digestive system was horrible, my stomach always hurt, I was tired, anxious, like all of those things I've already mentioned, but I also was at the point, you know, one one and a half years later to want to expand our family and I didn't have my period. So I didn't really get it and I was diagnosed with secondary amenorrhea, which means that you lose your period um, after having it previously. So after having it and having a baby and then you don't have it anymore. And I was just going through like an array of tests and basically doctors were trying to figure out if I was in premenopause or if I was just too thin and just like all of these different random things. I went to six different doctors and every single one of them couldn't give me a straight up answer as to what was wrong with me. And I just was so helpless and so frustrated And I was eventually recommended to a really amazing doctor that I was very skeptical about because at this point I had literally no hope left to like ever feel better, ever expand our family. And within 15 minutes of seeing this guy, and he's still my favorite doctor, I still go to him every three months, best doctor I've ever met. He diagnosed me with an issue with gluten. He didn't say whether I was celiac or intolerant because he didn't know. There's actually a blood test that you can get um, to figure out if you have the gene for it. And he was in the process of, you know, having me go get that blood work. But in the meantime, was asking me a bunch of questions. And just by listening to me and listening to my symptoms and what I felt like every day, he was able to say, aha, I think you have a gluten issue. So, What he ended up doing is he ended up doing the blood work to see if I had the gene for either gluten intolerance or celiac. And he also gave me um, a bunch of information about how a lot of times food intolerances cause other issues in your body like thyroid disease. And so in the meantime, he had me, you know, start going gluten free to see if I started to feel better and in the and then like did the blood work and a couple of weeks later I came back. So let me first start by saying it was a really overwhelming experience because I had thought that I knew what going gluten free would entail, but I had no idea. And that's why I'm making this podcast because I feel like so many people that find out that they're being recommended to go gluten free can get really overwhelmed, really frustrated, really like just isolated feeling, I guess, because I felt like, oh my gosh, like I have to change so many things. And I thought it just meant like, oh, I can't eat bread and pizza. But he gave me a packet and explained like what it would all entail. And it basically was just a lot to take in at once. So it didn't happen overnight and it took a long time, but we had to basically deglutinize our house and change a lot of our products and 
um, with hopes that it would help me feel better. And before I even got back to him to get my results, you guys, I finally like, you know, had Paul on board and my mom and we figured a lot of things out and I changed my routine with my nutrition and a lot of the things at my house. Um, and I got my period back a couple of weeks later and it was crazy because I hadn't even known exactly like what was going on with my blood work, but I knew that I had definitely found something that was helping because getting my period back was such a huge deal. So I went back to the appointment and I was diagnosed with celiac disease and he explained to me that um, it's just the combination of genes that I have. There's eight copies of the gene for celiac disease and depending on how many copies you have and what combination of copies you have, it indicates whether you're more on the intolerant spectrum or if you're on the celiac spectrum. And So I was diagnosed with celiac because I have three copies of the eight genes and the combination that I have is considered moderately severe um, and indicated that I have the autoimmune condition. So that was like really shocking and really disappointing. But at the same time, I remember feeling so relieved because I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm being diagnosed with this, you know, at least I have an answer as to something that I can focus on to try to get myself feeling better. So At that point, I had gotten my period back. I started to feel a little bit better, and he went over some blood work with me that showed that I was severely deficient in a ton of different vitamins and minerals, and I was just like experiencing malnutrition. So oddly enough to me, because I had no idea that my body was so smart and so protective of my of my energy it was shutting down slowly and basically I wasn't getting my period because I wasn't absorbing nutrients so again I'm not a doctor but I'm going to give you a little rundown of like what happens if you have gluten intolerance or celiac disease and you eat gluten and you don't know it um, you basically eat it and your body can't break it down like it can the other foods that you're not intolerant to so what happens is your body will send out signals to say like this is bad this is bad and It'll basically try to attack the protein that you're trying to digest. And in the process, when you have celiac disease, your small intestine gets attacked too. So the little villi in your intestine get damaged and they're no longer able to absorb nutrients that you get from food. And so what happens is you slowly and surely become malnutrition, your intestine becomes damaged, and it causes an array of symptoms and sometimes other conditions. So for me personally, my celiac caused my thyroid issues because I was iodine deficient, and I had no idea. And when you're iodine deficient, your thyroid can't work you know, appropriately. So I hope I didn't lose you. I know this is a lot of information to take in at once, but to make a long story short, Basically, my body was shutting down to protect me from the malnutrition that I was experiencing and didn't know about. So at that point, I was diagnosed with celiac disease. I was put on some very um, basic supplements that include fish oil, magnesium oxide, vitamin B12, um, let's see, probiotic, a prenatal vitamin... And I think that's it. Um, and so these are, again, they were, di- they were I'm sorry, um, provided to me from my doctor. 
And so I definitely am not recommending that you take those things unless your doctor does blood work and says that you're deficient in those things. But those are the things that I was deficient in, a lot of the different vitamins and, um, you know, my folate was all messed up and just different things. So being that I wanted to try to get pregnant again, he helped me to just fix my hormones and to really replenish my body with the nutrition that it needed in a really healthy way. And one of my favorite things about this diagnosis is that he told me, he said, you know, you can get better. It's just up to you if you want to get better. The only treatment for this is going gluten-free. And he was like, every single time somebody that has celiac disease eats gluten, your body goes under attack again and it takes an amount of time for your body to heal. So he really recommended that if I wanted to have more babies and I really wanted to like get my system under control that I, um, you know, really delve into this and go into it committed in a hundred percent. So that's my story. Um, in a nutshell, I could really have told you so much more detail, but I had unexplained issues that ended up resulting from eating gluten. And I think a lot of people think that gluten-free is just more of like a fad and it's something people do to try to lose weight and get skinny. But I am here to tell you that there are people that actually are severely ill from gluten or maybe even some other foods like shellfish, dairy, um, intolerances, and autoimmune diseases that arise from food intolerances are very real and very serious. So I like to say that because you may be listening to this to maybe better understand somebody else in your life. And I want to remind you that if somebody says that they're like gluten-free or they have celiac disease, it's probably like a true issue for them. And I think that it's really awesome that more and more today, it's becoming more recognized and understood and accepted and dealt with even at restaurants in our local areas, like so many people are just so much more understanding and it's really nice. But to make a long story short, I, ever since that time, I decided, well, shoot, this is going to be one really long struggle, which is why I'm sharing it on my podcast. And it was, it was one of the biggest changes that I've ever made in my entire life. Your girl likes pizza and bread and all the things like pretzels and snacks and cookies and It was really hard and really isolating, and sometimes it still is to this day, but I wanted so badly to expand my family and to be here for my family for a long time. I literally used to wake up feeling like I was 80 years old, so I knew in my heart that I wanted to feel better, and I wanted to overcome my infertility more than I wanted to keep that lifestyle, that convenience, and that comfort of having all those things that I loved. So it took a long time, but I am now four years gluten-free. I've only been (laughs) glutened, I believe, three times in that four years by accident and by cross-contamination, you know, of maybe eating something that was prepared in an area that wasn't gluten-free or one time I had like a silly mistake where I got something that I thought it was gluten-free and it wasn't. But for the most part, I've been committed. And the reason is, is because committing to it the first month made me feel so much better that I realized that, holy crap, sometimes when you put in hard work, it, well, most times when you put in hard work, it so pays off. So here I am. And I love sharing my story with others because it has helped me so much. 
and literally has changed my entire life. And I want to help other people that are diagnosed or that are going through the process of trying to find out if they should be gluten-free or not. So today I just want to talk a little bit about five things that you need to know about going gluten-free and recommendations that I have for the process. So the first thing that I want to talk to you guys about today is that gluten is in everything, okay? So many people think that it's just in bread or like starchy type foods. Some people think it's only in food. And to my surprise, when I first was diagnosed, I had no idea that gluten was in everything. And we're talking everything. Soap, hand sanitizer, makeup, lipstick, um, lotion, body spray, household cleaner, the whole nine. Like it is in everything. And if you are truly in tolerant or a true person that has celiac disease, your level of intolerance or severity with gluten is going to differ. So everybody's a little bit different. But my doctor's protocol is whether you have gluten intolerance or celiac disease is that you go gluten-free in regard to everything. So I, when I was sharing my story with you and I said it was really overwhelming. It really was because I had no idea that I had to change every product in my house. And to some people that might sound like, oh, you know, that's a little over the top or that's a little crazy. But when my doctor told me to go 100%, he meant 100%. He didn't mean just not to eat it. He meant like clear my life of gluten. And it has been one of the best decisions of my life. So Some examples of things that I had to change were my makeup. And you might be thinking like, well, why would you change your makeup? Like, what does it really matter? Well, if you're using gluten lipstick and you're going gluten-free and you lick your lips, then you're still consuming gluten. Or if you're somebody that's super um, sensitive and you're putting powder on that has gluten in it, then you can inhale it and it still goes into your bloodstream and you can still get that like anxious or tired or lightheaded feeling that you get when you eat gluten. And this is all something that I had no idea about until I was diagnosed and educated by my doctor. So um, makeup. And then like another thing that we changed was our detergent for our laundry because my skin was really dry and I had rat like chicken skin on the back of my arms. I don't know if any of you know what I mean by that, but like little red bumps all over the back of my arms and just like really dry, brittle, nasty like hair and nails and things like that. Um, so I changed my detergent and my lotions, and my body sprays and everything. And it's crazy how much I notice a change. Like even today, if I use soap in a public place that's not gluten-free. So say, for example, I'm at work and they don't have gluten-free soap. If I use that soap by like three days, I have cracks in my hands because they get so dry. And that's just me. Um, You might not be, my mom isn't that severely, she was diagnosed too after me and she has gluten intolerance. Her symptoms aren't that severe. So you have to just figure out how severely you react to gluten. But 
honestly, if you're looking to be the healthiest version of yourself and really clear yourself of gluten in your life, then I really recommend um, reaching out to someone like myself or a doctor that can tell you all of the best brands um, to switch over to for all of the different products that you use. So just a couple of them for me is obvious ones like at the store. I shop at Wegmans and luckily they they label things gluten-free or not. And I love the Udi's brand and Glutino brand. And there are a lot of different places that have like a gluten-free section. And then your typical whole foods like fruits, vegetables, lean meats, and uh, dairy. Like a lot of that just naturally doesn't have gluten in it. So that's typically what I like to stick to in regard to food. I love Arbonne for my makeup. I have an Arbonne consultant. She's really great, and that makeup is 100% gluten-free. I also have a Limelight by, by Alcone Girl, um, which most of those are gluten-free options as well. I like to use um, Everybody Soap that you could get at the store or a lot of Dove, Dove products for body wash and soap. Um, let me think. Da, oh, is it Dawn? dish soap, like there are so many different ones that I can name off. So if you have any questions about that, please reach out to me personally, but gluten's in everything. So yeah, number two is the only way that you're going to truly heal is by going 100% gluten-free. So like I just said, it's in everything and it might take you some time, but I really recommend deglutenizing your house. And that means getting rid of products that once used gluten in them, like a toaster, toaster oven, really making sure that you're cleaning all of your plates and utensils and like super washing them in the dishwasher or replacing them and making sure that you are starting fresh with things like, for example, a lot of people wouldn't think of this, but if you have a cutting board and you always cut bread on that cutting board, with like regular bread, not gluten-free bread, then that is a cross-contaminated thing in your kitchen that could still continue to cross-contaminate you even if you wash it in the sink. So especially the wooden ones. So you might want to consider getting like some new appliances and I know it could be a lot, but honestly, like I look at it this way, if you truly want to go gluten-free, your best bet is to do it 100%, deglutenize your house set up a new routine with your nutrition, and then from that point forward, it's really not that difficult because once you get the brands that you love and you like weed out all the gluten from your house, then you know what to purchase in the future and you just start living that lifestyle. So it doesn't even really complicate my life anymore now because I already know what brands I love and I just stick to them. Um, But in the beginning, it was just overwhelming because I didn't realize that there was gluten in seasoning and gluten in salad dressing and just like all these random things. So it took some time to weed it out of my life But once I did, I feel like now I have this like really great foundation of gluten-free and now I just stay committed to it. Um, When I say deglutenize, number three, I want you to know what I mean by that. So deglutenize, I like to use that term meaning like you don't eat gluten at all and you don't use gluten products and you do different things in your house to ensure your safety of cross-contamination. So I have little ones and they still eat gluten and I would never make them go gluten-free just because I am. 
but we do have a de like a deglutenized house. So what that means is no gluten can go in our sink. Um, for those of you that don't know, gluten can be very easily cross-contaminated on different things like sponges and towels and things like that. So say, for example, you have true celiac disease or gluten intolerance and you eat gluten-free pizza and then your family eats gluten pizza and you put all the plates in the same dish or in the same um sorry, in the same sink, and you use the same sponge to clean all those dishes, you're exposing yourself to gluten intolerance, or I'm sorry, gluten exposure. Um, because if you're using a, a sponge to clean something with gluten, and then you're cleaning your dish that you're possibly going to be using again, then you're exposing yourself to gluten. And if you have a deglutenized house, then that wouldn't make any sense. So for example, there's just like some little things that we do to keep me safe. And it's really awesome um, that my family is so supportive. And I'm going to get to that at the end of how you can get people on board with your new lifestyle. But basically, one of them is I have a toaster upstairs that is strictly for gluten-free everything. So waffles and toast and bagels. Um, But my husband sometimes eats regular bread and he has a a toaster oven down in the basement that he uses when he makes gluten bread but there's never any bread that's gluten that goes in my toaster it's my toaster only um no gluten goes in our in any of our pots and pans or on any of our plates or anything like that and um when somebody in my house like my kids or my husband they want to eat gluten they just use a paper plate and throw away silverware and they eat it on that and then they just toss it in the trash and therefore there's no cross-contamination in our sink and and that's that. And then anytime my kids eat gluten, they just have to wash their hands after and those are like three of the main ones that we do. Um, but it just makes for a really safe environment for me because I am severely intolerant. You know, I have celiac disease so for me like I could end up in bed for a week or I can end up in the hospital if I even get like one bite of gluten or anything like that so it's just a more serious case but you might be someone listening to this and be like holy crap girl like you are off your rocker from some other planet you've lost your mind I ain't doing any of this and that's fine like I don't judge anybody for the way that they handle their lifestyle like I think everybody is completely capable of making their own decisions but I personally know from experience that going 100% gluten-free and deglutenizing my life has just made it easy for me to stay committed and has helped me to literally completely reverse my health like for those of you that don't know me personally I have been pregnant three times since going gluten-free um, I have a son that was born in 2017. I did get pregnant in 2019 and have had a miscarriage um, due to other issues that had nothing to do with gluten. And then I am currently pregnant and due next month with our third child and it's 2020. So um, obviously after five years of not having my period and then going gluten-free and getting it back, um, it's changed my life and it's been completely worth it. But in addition to that, I just feel so much younger. Like I'm 30 years old. I'm going to be 31 in a couple of months. And when I was 23, a brand new mom, I felt like I was an old lady. I felt like I was just crippled and just sick. And so I believe in this lifestyle hundred percent. And I understand that it may sound 
really overwhelming and just like crazy, but sometimes crazy things end up being the best things that we do for ourselves. It might be hard. It might be trying. It might be isolating. Um, but if it makes you feel better, like what does it really matter? The sacrifice is worth it. If you ask me, um, Number four is you really, if you want to go gluten-free and you want to really truly be gluten-free, you have to self-advocate because there are going to be people that don't understand. There are going to be people that don't take it seriously and there are going to be people that just don't respect it. And that's totally fine. Like there are so many different people in the world and they're not, they're not all going to be supportive and it's really up to you to be a self-advocate. So for me, for example, it was really uncomfortable at first, but I had to be that person that brought my own food to like family gatherings and be that person still to this day when I'm out to dinner with a group of people that takes a little bit longer to order my food and explain what my needs are. And yes, sometimes it again can feel, make you feel crazy. Like it can make you feel like you're just that girl. But honestly, being that girl has gotten me my life back. So nobody else is going to advocate for you. So even if somebody makes you a cake and they made it gluten and they encourage you to take a bite of it and you don't want to hurt their feelings, girl, you have every right and you are the only person that can stand up for your needs. And it's happened to me a bunch. Like a lot of my personal training clients will make me like a treat to thank me or something. And I'll say, is it gluten-free? And I'll be like, no. And I'll just be like, listen, I'm so appreciative. I truly cannot eat this though. Like I will get really sick. So I thank you so much, but I'm going to pass it on to my husband or something, or maybe not even tell them and just go home and give it to my kids and just still write a thank you card for that person. Like you, if you truly want to heal, you can't be one of those people that has one foot in and one foot out because every time you consume gluten again, your body is going to start attacking, attacking your digestive system again. So I'm pretty sure it takes nine or 10 days for gluten to get out of your system. So, and that's a minimum amount of time. So say for example, you're gluten free for two months and you just feel like, holy crap, it's a Super Bowl weekend and I'm just going to go all out and I'm going to have my favorite pizza and you do that and like it's going to take a minimum of 10 days for it to even get out of your system and then you have to start the healing process all over again so like why would you do that you know so self-advocating and it's I'm giving you full permission like it is totally okay to be that girl or that guy um, at a restaurant that says, you know, I need, I have an allergy, you know, everything needs to be gluten-free. Can you please make this without so-and-so and this and that? And that's, that's okay. Like you have to advocate for yourself. And there was so many times where I felt like I would never go back out for dinner or lunch to a restaurant because I felt so scared of being gluten. But as long as you communicate to a lot of these places they really understand the severity especially today and if you're willing to speak up for yourself most places are willing to accommodate your needs and I know it can also be really confusing and uncomfortable like say for example if you have in-laws or distant cousins or you know anybody that doesn't understand your diagnosis to say no thank you to the food that they cook for you. But I just found that the best way for me to get through this and to stay committed to it is to just be honest about what my needs are to people. So I talked to my husband straight out and I said, you know, I really 
like I need your support and I explained to my family when I was diagnosed like I really want to do this it means a lot to me so I don't want you to be offended I just need to stay committed to like this lifestyle long term so if you don't want to provide gluten-free options for me I totally get it I'm willing to bring my own food or you know to the birthdays and gatherings and you know luckily I've been really blessed to have family and friends that really get it and really support it so that brings me to my fifth thing that you need to know about going gluten-free is that you're not ever going to make it out alive unless you ask for support. And I think it's so, so hard to ask for support sometimes because sometimes we want to feel like we can figure things out on our own or feel super invincible. But when it comes to something really complicated like this that really just filters into every aspect of your life, you know, every social event, you might have to change your, you know, if you're a social drinker, like where you go with people or if you're at a wedding or um, even if it just comes down to your own household and how you plan your meals for the week, it could be a lot. So sometimes you just need to ask for support and say, you know, I really would appreciate it if you can help me make this transition or if you could take time to maybe educate yourself. Like Paul educated himself a lot. I'm so blessed to have him as a husband and he's like 100% my gluten police. Like if the kids are eating gluten, he's like, leave it on the gluten blanket. Go wash your hands. Like because he's seen how sick it makes me. And he also has seen the beauty and the blessing in our children that have come from going gluten-free. So he's my biggest supporter, but even my mom and my dad and my in-laws and my best friends, like everybody just bends over backwards at this point to accommodate my lifestyle. And it means so much to me, but I also know that it wouldn't be that way if I didn't self-advocate and I didn't ask for support and I wasn't, um, you know, feeling down on myself or feeling embarrassed about my diagnosis. I want everybody that listens to this to know that your diagnosis does not define you. It might be one of the biggest struggles that you ever go through. And even to this day, like I'm getting ready to have this baby in a couple of weeks. And Paul's like, what am I going to have to cook you to like bring to the hospital? Because he knows like, I'm not going to trust the hospital food and there's nowhere quick and easy to pick me up like a after labor meal, like a victory meal, because there's not a lot of places that like make the things that I'm looking for. And it's funny, but like at the end of the day, like it doesn't define me. It's just a part of who I am now. And I feel really proud of it because it's made me a warrior. It's made me a fighter. Going gluten-free has changed my life in so many ways. It's helped me to become more disciplined. It's helped me to be more in tune with my body and listen, listening to my body and taking my body seriously. It's helped me to become a self-advocate. You know, It took me seven doctors to finally get answers. And I'm really proud that I didn't give up. And I'm really proud that I kept digging for answers. And going gluten-free seemed like an unattainable goal. It seemed like like something that I would never get down after a couple of weeks of, you know, trial and error and really trying to deglutinize my life, but I eventually got it and I never gave up and now here I am um just inspiring other people to make the transition if it's something that will make them better and make them feel better. So you can literally become somebody that you don't even know is possible. If you wake up and you feel like crap every day and you know exactly what I'm talking about, then girl, boy, dude, whoever's listening, it is worth it to make the transition and to go 
full-fledged and 100% commit and ask for help and ask for resources and be open to try new things and you will find that it doesn't define you. It just makes you a stronger, more amazing and resilient version of who you already are. So I am going to stop there. I could talk forever. People that are on my coaching team, they will tell you that I can talk for hours and it's like one of my biggest flaws. I just can't stop talking. So I'm going to stop myself because I'm very passionate about this topic. But my advice to you is this. If you have any questions about going gluten-free or anything that I talked about today, brands or you know how to make transitions or different issues regarding people that maybe don't understand what you're going through, whatever it may be, please reach out. This is my passion. I love talking about it and I would love to offer up any advice that I can give. Number two, if you think that you may have gluten intolerance or celiac disease, then find a doctor that will take the gene test that will do the blood work and really delve deep into figuring out if this is something that you have and to help you figure out what your personal needs are for healing your body from the inside out. And three, join a supportive community. So I'm always sharing about the community that I run. I run online accountability groups, not only for women that have health and fitness goals, but also healing goals, whether that healing is emotional healing or gut healing or whatever type of healing. I just love helping people heal through really hard struggles. And if you're going through this transition and you're looking for somebody to have your back or to root you on, please ask me about my community. I would love for you to join us. Um, It's so much better when you're not on the journey alone. And there are a bunch of women in my community that are also gluten-free. So we're kind of like a sisterhood. Um, But yeah, if this episode spoke to you, resonated, was helpful in any way, shape, or form, please, please subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment, share it on social media, um, anything to get the word out. Because if I can help one person, like I always say, if I can help 10 people learn something new today about themselves or their struggle or their life, then it is all worth it. Thank you so much for your support and I'll see you next week.